Good morning. Um, today's scripture reading, the first scripture reading, will be from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 23. In your pew Bibles, that's page 1,887. Since you call in a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply, from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Our second reading this morning will be from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, found on page 1,642 in Pew Bibles. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the one are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was one of the ones who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, is it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women were amazed, have amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearing evening, and day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven with, and those with them assembling together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. Here ends the word of our Lord. 
Let us pray together. Lord, your word has been read. Now may your spirit take the words that were spoken and change us. Lord, we know that without you we can do nothing. And without your spirit in our lives, all of this is so much noise. You are the one who teaches us and leads us into all truth. So Lord, this morning in our worship, may your spirit have his way with us. Reveal to us, teach us, lead us, guide us, change us for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name, amen. The well-known New Testament scholar N.T. Wright calls Luke 24, 13 through 35, that portion of the road to Emmaus, the masterpiece within the masterpiece. He's talking about all of Luke 24, beginning with Luke's account of the resurrection, those two disciples who meet Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and then the end of Luke, which has Jesus appearing to those 11 disciples who've gathered together in Jerusalem. Luke is a literary uh, master. If you read Luke and Acts, which really I would invite you to make some time to do that and read them together. Because as you may or may not know, Luke and Acts are really part one and part two of the same work. It's the same author. They're meant to be read together. Where Luke 24 ends, Acts 1 picks up. Uh, And it it is Luke's eye for storytelling, for character development, for really feeling the weight of the events uh, is really unparalleled. And Luke 24 is, I believe, Luke really on display, this incredible, moving, beautiful story. Jesus has risen, he's been seen, and now we have the story of Cleopas and a disciple who's not named, journeying together away from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they encounter a stranger on the road. There's something that seems so prosaic so ordinary, this detail that weaves itself all through these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus that we find recorded in the scriptures. And that is this. Imagine, if you will, for just a moment, let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. Here's a man who they completely gave up everything to follow. They lived in, they lived with him, traveled with him night and day around the Galilean countryside for three years. He was brutally murdered, and now the body's gone. There's rumors that he's alive. If you were a disciple, given all of that history, and given that news, what would you do? That's not a rhetorical question. You could answer. What would you do? Tell people, okay. Prove it, right? Okay. You want to see some evidence? That was our our reading last week, Thomas, right? You know what the disciples do? They go back to life as it was before. 
John 21, where do we find the disciples? They're back fishing. They went back and they got their boats and their nets and they went out fishing. You have Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas? We don't know. An unnamed disciple journeying back from Jerusalem to Emmaus, maybe going back to their lives. You have this extraordinary detail that I think we would do well to sit with for just a moment. That these disciples, after encountering, being part of a moment upon which all of human history hinges, they just go back to what they know. If any of you have been right in the throes of grief, or sadness, or trauma, there's often something that happens to those who are experiencing it, is you go back to what's familiar. You go back to what you know. There's a sense of solace and comfort in that. Because grief and loss and sadness has a way of disrupting everything. Question everything. It disrupts our grasp on reality. And I think we do well to read these stories through that lens that these are disciples, followers of Jesus, who've been subject to significant trauma, grief, and loss. And so it makes sense that they go back to what they know. The disciples go back fishing. Cleopas and maybe Mrs. Cleopas are heading back from Jerusalem after the celebration of the Passover, probably back to their lives. Then they encounter a man on the road. And you can almost see this is where Luke just excels at his craft. Hear these words again. Jesus comes along and says, what are you discussing as you walk? Listen to this. You can, you can see this in your mind's eye. They stood still. Their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus says, Ah, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And then they go on to tell him facts and details about himself. I love this story. You, can, you get this sense almost that Jesus is almost lovingly and gently just kind of prodding them to see what they know, to see where they are. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Tell me. What, what things? And they, they tell him, they recount all these facts about the Messiah. They have all the data right. But they don't know how to put it together. It's not until Jesus takes what? The scriptures. Let's remember what that would have been for Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. The Old Testament. The Torah. The prophets. And Jesus takes that and guides them through how all of it. Notice that word. All of it. Not just five or six verses. All of it points to the Messiah. All of it. Even those boring genealogies and numbers 
that we would rather skip through and just avoid, all of it speaks to the Messiah, to who he is, to what his mission would be, to what he would do for God's people. All of it. And it's, you have, Luke gives us these incredible moments where we, we start to see the narrative turn a little bit. There's these little moments of clarity almost that he doesn't quite so much tell us about as describe. As Jesus takes the scriptures, the law and the prophets, and starts to open it up, as they're walking along that road to Emmaus, we start to see that Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, the, the rays of light of understanding, start to poke through just a little bit. They still don't know who this man is, but they are so moved by his ability to describe and to explain the scriptures to them that when they get to where they're going, they don't want him to leave. They beg for him to stay. And then this beautiful moment where they sit down for a meal and what happens? Jesus takes what? Takes bread. He blesses the bread breaks the bread. He gives it to them. And in a moment, their eyes are opened and they know who he is. And then he's gone. After that beautiful moment, which is overlaid with images of communion, in the breaking of the bread, in the body of Christ, his full realization of who he is, full access to his grace, full understanding of his mission. In a moment, they understand everything. He leaves, and then what happens? Don't miss this detail at the end of the story. I was sharing with someone this week that there's a detail at the end of Luke, that the reading that Melissa read for us, that really until this week, I, you know you read those things maybe in scripture or somewhere else that you understand, but then you read it one day and you understand it. I had that moment what happens to the, these two disciples, Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas? They go back to Jerusalem to find the other 11 and to tell them about what had happened. Jerusalem in Luke's gospel functions not just as a physical location. Yes, it is the, it is the center, the epicenter, the place of total Jewish identity. But also Jerusalem functions in a different way in Luke's gospel. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, his destination is what? Jerusalem. And he knows it. And the, 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 Luke, in writing his narrative, shows us how Jesus, in his routes, as he's going and teaching and healing and proclaiming the good news, is headed toward Jerusalem. It's not just a place that place represents something. It is the place where the, the, the mission of the Messiah comes to its fruition. It's a physical place, but it also represents a spiritual reality of the total goodness, the total revelation of God. And the disciples... Cleopas and the one who's not named go back. 
There's so much in this scripture. I want to pull out two things that I think are vital for us in our own journey of faith. And one is this. All around us, you turn on the TV, turn on Fox News or MSNBC, go to the New York Times, pick up a copy of Time magazine on the end cap at ShopRite. There's a lot of places everywhere we look where we can find a lot of facts and details about Jesus. But listen to me closely, friends. Until we have our own encounter with the risen Christ, all of it is just so much facts and details. He is the one who knits all those pieces together and allows us to understand fully who he is, what his mission is, and how he can change our lives. It's one thing to have a lot of information about Jesus. It's one thing to know Jesus. And I see on this road to Emmaus, Cleopas and the one who's unnamed move from having a lot of information about Jesus to having a face-to-face encounter with the very one about whom they're talking as they walk along. You have to encounter the risen Christ. Otherwise, all of this is just so much noise. If we don't know him, if we have not met him personally, if we have not allowed the risen Christ to transform our hearts, Just a bunch of facts. We believers believe that the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity working in our lives, helps us understand not just facts about Jesus, but that the Holy Spirit working through us leads us to the very presence of the Messiah. We have to know, not just about the risen Lord, but we need to know him. The second thing that this scripture shows us is that when our eyes are open, just like Cleopas and this other unnamed follower of Jesus, when our eyes are opened, something has to happen. There is a pattern in all of scripture that when someone encounters Jesus and they're transformed by him, what happens? They go and they tell. The Samaritan woman at the well. Come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. The man who's born blind and is healed by Jesus. He gives testimony and witness to what Jesus did for him. Mary at the tomb. When she encounters the gardener who's the risen Christ, what does she do? She goes back and she tells the other disciples. Cleopas and the unnamed disciple go back to Jerusalem They find the eleven and they tell them what they have seen and what they have witnessed. Friends, you and I have a mission. That when we encounter the risen Christ, we don't keep it to ourselves. We can't keep it to ourselves. We are then sent, once our eyes are opened, to the one who is right here with us. We have to tell other people. Why do you think the author of Luke presents us with these two disciples, Cleopas and the one who's unnamed? 
You know why I think? That unnamed disciple? That's you. That's me. One of the ways that Scripture is alive to us is God-breathed and inspired words are that we can continually open the pages and see ourselves reflected off the very text. And there's this unnamed disciple, awash in grief and sadness, wandering, unmoored, not knowing what to do next, just walking back to what is familiar. Have any of you ever been there? And encounters a stranger on the road. Turns out to be the very son of God. That's you and that's me. We've all been on that road to Emmaus, haven't we? Maybe some of you are walking that road right now. But you know what Luke 24 tells us? You might be walking down a road right now that you don't know where you're going. It may feel... Like the things that you look to in your life to tell you who you are are missing and gone. You may feel like you're walking alone. You don't understand. Nobody's with you. There's someone who walks with you. There's someone who's standing right next to you as you walk down that road. Loving you. Holding you. Your companion on the way. Who wants to make himself Fully known to you. Are you ready to listen to the risen Lord? Amen.